0: It's the Auburn Observer Podcast, the weekend edition, the free edition. Hello, everyone, one and all. Thank you for tuning in on whatever audio device you listen to us on. Justin Ferguson here in, I think I'm in Springdale still, Arkansas. I'm in Springdale. I had to, had to double check uh, here, here, but Springdale, coming in to you from Springdale, Arkansas, after Auburn basketball's huge win over the Razorbacks on the road at Bud Walton arena obviously that will take you know that will be our, our lead here in this uh, in this podcast uh, there'll be a lot to you know, we've got football to talk as well some some news uh breaking on that side over the last few days but I can't do this alone uh, I gotta have I gotta have my teammates with me and uh, first off um, a man who is dressed like the sleepy time bear he said uh, or uh Ebenezer Scrooge uh, he's got a robe. And a and a knit cap on. Literally, as he's recording this, uh, that would be Dan Peck of the Dan Peck Multimedia Empire. Dan, uh, you you seem comfortable, which I guess is good for a podcast.
1: You there, Justin? What day is it? No, it's uh, it's it's great to uh, it's great to talk to you guys, uh, Justin. I can't hear Springdale, Arkansas, without thinking a Dirk Commissar, Gus Malzahn, right? I mean, it, it's oh, yeah. that's the. The old, the old stomping grounds of, uh, of, and that's that what that's the Mitch Mustaine, mm-hmm. uh, team that be- before he came to, uh, before he came to Arkansas as a coordinator.
0: And we'll talk about this in the football section of the podcast, but, you know, when I landed in Arkansas on fr- Friday afternoon to the news that, um, that Philip Montgomery had been fired, I thought it was very fitting that I was writing the story about it for the Observer in Springdale, uh, because, um, you know, we'll, we'll definitely talk about it in a little bit, but you know, I think Auburn's best bet moving forward on offense is to have their head coach be the play caller, be super involved with their offense. And the last time that happened, really, the last time Auburn was very successful on offense, is when, of course, Gus Malzahn did that. Also joining us, the editor, engineer, podcaster, extraordinaire from uh from the Pit, Painter Sharpless, Painter.
2: How are we doing? Doing well, doing very well.
0: All right, fellas. So, you know, Saturday was my first ever trip to Bud Walton Arena. It was kind of a was kind of a, a bucket list item because I had never been to what is what most people would probably call either the best or the second best venue for college basketball in the SEC. Went to Rup last year for the first time. And really enjoyed that but looking forward was looking forward to bud walton i would have never guessed in a million years that i would have seen what i saw saturday because uh auburn uh, there are statement wins and then there are things that that auburn did on uh, on saturday because this was this was a, a phenomenal game for the tigers and i would say Guys, correct me if I'm wrong, potentially the best game or potentially the best second half that Auburn's had since they blew out Kansas in the NCAA tournament a few years ago in the Final Four run, they win by 32 at Arkansas, 83-51, the biggest home loss by Arkansas in Bud Walton Arena history. Dan, that, that carries a lot of weight because this is one of the premier places in college basketball.
1: Justin, were you there for the final game before COVID when Auburn went to Art to Tennessee right before the NCAA tournament? Right before the SEC tournament was canceled in 2020. Do you remember? Do you remember the game? It was a. a I wasn't. And-
0: <clears throat> I wasn't there for that game, but I do remember it. I, I, in fact, I think I think Painter and I did like a live like after the game show. Painter, if you remember that, I think the, I think we we're at the hotel, uh, downtown. So. I do remember that game very well.
1: And, and the final score of that one, I think Auburn only only actually won by by seven. Like I don't think Auburn pulled away though. I mean it was it wasn't a 30 point like like drumming, but but it was still like to see Auburn performing like this on the road against a high level opponent. Um, you know, it, it gave you that feeling of I mean I mean, anything is possible if you can mm. and we'll see, we'll see if there are bigger problems with this Arkansas team. Like As as we get deeper into conference play, which could take some of the shine off of a win like this. But I think most people would still look at Arkansas and say there aren't five more talented rosters in the league than the one Eric Musselman has assembled right now. And for Auburn to go on the road and do that to that team that way in the second half, uh, they have to be as confident as they've been since... I mean, yeah, you mentioned the Kansas game. Like, they, and 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 I think that the 2020 team would have been extremely confident going into mm-hmm. the SEC tournament had it not been canceled in 2020. Like, that's. I mean that that's where I would say like, I mean that that's where the confidence level is. I mean, yes, there was also a team that got to number one in the sure. in the in the polls. But since I don't then. know if
0: the, I don't know if that team, especially away from home, had a performance quite like this one.
1: I, I would I would agree. Like I would say that's. Uh, I mean, and, and I, may, 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 maybe they did. Like, I have not, I, I would probably need to go back and say if, you know, I don't want to say if there's a game I'm forgetting, but I mean, the, it's the largest victory ever at Arkansas by anybody, right? Mm-hmm. Or at, at Bud Walton, which is, you know, a 30 year old building.
0: Huge, huge win for Auburn, for, for sure. And historic. And then the way it happened, I think was very telling about this team. You know, I I don't know how. Oh, by the you way, were...
1: Auburn Auburn won that game by eighteen. That Tennessee game mm-hmm. that I was talking about, I think I I said earlier it was it was seven, but no Auburn Auburn did 18. pull away. Yeah, Auburn yeah. Auburn thumped uh, Tennessee in, in in that game in in twenty twenty.
0: Remember them hitting a ton of threes there in the in in the second half. Um, Samir so made
1: eight as I yeah, look back. That's right. As I look back on that number
0: in the in the first half, Auburn couldn't get anything to fall. They were shooting poorly. First half, they didn't shoot well at all. I think they were only two of ten from deep in the first half. It was like, yeah, you, we've seen this with this team recently. We saw it with their in their true road loss at App State earlier this year, where they just couldn't get anything to fall. And then they had lost, you know, their last six road games to end, you know, last season as well. And it just felt like, okay, well, maybe this is maybe this is going to happen again, where Auburn just can't. Cannot shoot away from home, tough environment. There's going to be struggle, but I mean, this team, to their credit, like kept swinging and hanging in there. This team never got rattled. They get their bench guys on the floor and they settle the game down. the The bench rotation that Auburn had when they had their five reserves on the floor, that goes from an early Arkansas lead to a tie game. Auburn plays some more bench guys late in the first half. Chad Baker Mazzara goes crazy early. Uh, shooting the ball very, very well, giving them the offensive spark. And yeah, this is just what we expect from this team. That bench unit is, it, especially during this winning streak, has been playing some excellent basketball. And to do that away from home when the starters were struggling as much as they were, you know, no points from Janiah Broom in the first half. Very little production on offense from Aiden Holloway and Devor Jones and those guys in the in the first half. Didn't matter because Auburn's bench saved the day And, uh, you know, bought the starters some time to really get rolling in the second half.
1: And, and you, uh, I think Bruce Pearl talked about this at the, in the post game remarks and you wrote it in the observations. This game was one inside, right? As well as Auburn shot the ball at times from the perimeter, this game was one with Auburn, not letting Arkansas do much of anything around the basket, 48 to 18 points in the paint advantage for Auburn, uh, uh, Pearl cited the, was it four second chance points mm-hmm. for Arkansas in the entire game? And the rebounding margin is bonkers, right? 46-32 uh, Auburn. And that that was a stat we talked about because Auburn, our theory was, or at least you know, I was thinking, Auburn had been so aggressive trying to block shots in the past mm-hmm. that it had hindered their defensive rebounding ability because you're not always in the best position to get rebounds if you're really trying to go all out to block the opponent's shot. This season, I wonder if they've really focused on. I don't know what they've worked on, but it's a decidedly better. I mean, this team might rebound the ball as well as any team Coach Pearl has had at Auburn. To your point,
0: Dan, if you look at the if you look at the numbers, you know, according to Ken Baum Auburn's defensive rebounding rate this season fifty fifth in the country. Last year, they were three hundred and twenty third. Year before that, 220th. The year before that, 307th. I mean, they have been pretty much for the for the majority of Pearl's tenure, a not a great defensive rebounding team because of a number of reasons. But I think the big difference with this team this year compared to ones in years past for Auburn is that this team is like there's a lot of one and done possessions. It took Arkansas forever to get a second shot opportunity in this game. Um it, you know, it was a lot of great rebounding. Janai Broom is rebounding at a rate that he was like he is dominating the boards like he did at Moorhead State. Uh Jalen Williams has become a better defensive rebounder this year. His numbers are up. You're getting really good production uh from your guards. Your your your, your two yard and Denver Jones gets to the get gets to the defensive glass really well. Your point guards both rebounded really well in this game. Trey Donaldson and Aiden Howey both had good defensive rebounding numbers. Every 50-50 ball in this game looked like it went Auburn's way. They played with a real edge. They were more physical. than an Arkansas team that like, I mean, you can just look at him to to your point from earlier, Dan, about this, about this roster, but like just watch these guys on the floor. These are some crazy good athletes. Like Musselman has gotten some great like size, length, strength, all that good stuff that you want. And so for Auburn to go into their building and just beat them physically like they did, I think says a lot about this team. Um, and I, I guess, I mean, that's my big thing is that, you know, for, for most of non-conference play, I kind of felt like Auburn, was a team that was going to have to, against quality competition, it's like, hey, can you hit shots from the perimeter and win? Is that going to be the key for you winning games? They've now won a couple games this year against good opponents where they have dominated on the inside. And again, it goes back to their ability to kind of do some of everything and everybody gets involved. And it just makes you a fantastic basketball team to the point where you go beat Arkansas by 32 on the road. They're now number five in Kempom, one of only three teams in the country uh, with a top 10 offense and a top 10 defense. The metrics have loved Auburn all season long, more than the AP voters. And again, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't put too much stock in the top twenty five. This is the kind of win that
1: opens eyes for voters, though, too. I would say not just the margin, which I think people will notice but also i mean this was this was on national television yep. on on a day where ah, you know there was there was football later right but it's like you know i think sports fans around the country and i, I would think ap voters uh, might might have been paying a little bit more attention to let's see what auburn looks like on the road against a team that we're pretty sure has some talent like the arkansas razorbacks and uh, and, and auburn uh, went right through them
0: eight teams that were ranked ahead of auburn lost on saturday so i think you're going to see a move from the tigers in the a people they're number eight in net now they're pretty much top four top five top six in like any computer metric you want to see this is a basketball team that is playing super well uh on both ends of the floor
1: and it's worth pointing out this is a basketball team that and i know this is a this is looking back on the, the you know the the entire season so far you could it, it's a what if but this is a team that has two losses that are games people probably wouldn't schedule right? I mean, to go to South Dakota and play Baylor to open the season without a warm-up game without a game against a team where you can get yourself some confidence because uh, the, the opponent is overmatched that you know to, to open the season at uh, you know at in the the Pentagon there in South Dakota, Against Baylor and to play at App State, which is you know the the last major conference team to do that was it wasn't it like the night the gym opened or something? Yeah, the, they played North the, Carolina. Yeah, it was the first time since the gym opened that a major conference team, and that wasn't recently. Like I've been there; that that place mm-hmm. isn't brand new. So I think it's it's also you know, I I would hope, and I know Andy Bertram has made this point both on the drive and I believe on broadcasts on the radio, I would hope that some of these voters, as frivolous as the polls are, I would hope some of these voters also consider that the only reason Auburn has two losses is because Bruce Pearl went out of his way to schedule games that other coaches wouldn't schedule uh, because he feels like it's what he needs to do for his program.
0: Yeah, to your point, Dan, um, (laughs) the time that North Carolina played App State to open that building, uh, Carolina, that was 19, that was, that was 1999, I believe, or no, 2000, sorry. It was, uh, it was the start of the, uh, start of the 2000 season,
1: uh, for, uh, for those two teams, I mean, like that. Yeah, the building's older than most of the players, right? It's not. It's yeah. not brand new. I mean, it's, yeah. not, it's not. You know, I mean, as, as 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 much as it pains me to talk about 1999 and 2000 as as you know something that happened a long time ago, uh, it's uh, no. It's yeah. It's it, I think that's something Auburn should get more credit for uh, nationally. Is the you know the two losses they had are, as I said, games that that a lot of people wouldn't schedule. Hey, speaking of App State, shout out to Scott Cross and the Troy Men beating them yesterday in Trojan Arena uh mm-hmm. get getting getting that win, Scott Cross has a a 3 and 0 team in sunbelt play to uh to open the season. Uh defending champs uh, Southern Miss are coming to Trojan Arena on Saturday. So, uh, a couple of a uh, couple couple of big home games there for a, a team that looks to be uh, feisty in in sunbelt play.
0: That uh that North Carolina team by the way. the North Carolina team by the way had Brendan Haywood on it. Like that's that, that's how far. <laughs> That that's how far back that one goes. Do you know who else was on that North Carolina team? Julius Peppers was on that was on that team. I mean, that's that's how far back yeah. you got go to go. Is look he in out. the is
1: he in the Hall of Fame yet? Is he because he? I don't know if his timeline. I don't know exactly. He should be right. I forget if uh, if if Peppers he's not is. in
0: the Hall of Fame yet. But yeah, I, I agree with you. He probably should be. Um. Anyway, this Auburn team taking care of business away from home. That first half, you have the bench bailing out the starters. Chad Baker-Mazzara, I mean, continues to be the dude for Auburn right now. And it doesn't matter if he's starting or he comes off the bench. He's coming off the bench, by the way. But he's playing really good minutes. He's providing everything that you want offensively. And in the game, you know, he said this afterwards. He was talking about how he had dreamed – his whole life of playing in you know major conference basketball and getting this opportunity. This is a dude who's skinny and thin. And, you know, he even said it. He's like, people didn't think I was big enough to play this kind of basketball. And in this game that was defined so much by the way Auburn physically beat Arkansas, he played some of his best basketball of the season to the point where, like, you could tell Arkansas was just visibly frustrated by by you know one in the second half they looked like they didn't know what they were doing, uh, which I think says a lot. And then two, I mean, Devo Davis just shoved him like just had enough of uh, of, uh, of 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 Chad Baker Mazzara kind of give him the blues. But I mean, I think it really tell, says something where you have a kid like Chad Baker Mazzara and his first major conference college basketball game come in there and it's not rattled at all. And and, and provides so much for you to to pave the way for such a
1: big win. I did not expect uh, Chad Baker Mazzara to suddenly get stage fright in in an SEC game, even one like uh, like an opener at Arkansas. He had, I mean, he's he was the leading scorer in an NCAA tournament game, right when he was at San Diego State. Uh, he was the leading scorer in the junior college national championship game. Go Raiders, Northwest Florida State uh, this past season and. I think he's somebody who, right? Like he's he seems to he seems to turn it on in in big moments, and yeah, he mentioned after the game, Justin didn't he didn't he say there was there was a they made contact earlier, and Devo thought maybe Chad Baker Mazzara had uh, you know had had like that, that had been a non-basketball play. And then the next time around, I don't know, you could tell Arkansas was frustrated for a lot of reasons. I think the score had a lot to do with, uh, with, with that, that little outburst in the second half, the fact that Arkansas took, what took them eight minutes to score four points to start the second half probably, uh, made things worse because you could tell the game was slipping away and the Auburn defense wasn't, uh, fading away. So yeah, it was, uh, you know, that that's, that's something else that, you, know, you can tell when Auburn is playing well, it can start to frustrate teams physically and uh, mentally and, and, I guess, emotionally, uh, too, with what you saw on the floor against Arkansas. By the way, Peppers is a finalist, uh, one of 15. They're going to unveil the twenty uh, the 2024 class on February 8th. Willie Anderson. So Willie Anderson's one of those guys. Also one of those finalists. Uh, Reggie Wayne, Devin Hester, Antonio Gates uh Jared Allen, Rodney Harrison, Tori Holt, Andre Johnson, Patrick Willis. So a star studded oh, wow. list of guys. Mm-hmm. I, I think I just named guys who all should be Hall of Famers. Yeah. Way, yeah. I, I wouldn't object to any of those guys uh getting in. And I think the max they take is five. I would I would hope that five of those guys uh get into the Hall of Fame, including as we were saying earlier, uh Julius Peppers. You
0: know, back to this game with with Auburn and Arkansas. The second half you know, Broom goes crazy early. And there was something, you know, there was this moment and I'll talk about it. there was a moment on Thursday. So we're talking to Janai Broom on Thursday, and I asked him how he thought, you know, Auburn was going to match up with the size, the front court of Arkansas, you know, what that what that crew could end up looking like take it on the challenge of Arkansas's big men. And I don't know if there's a video of this. I don't know if anybody filmed this, but I asked you this question and Jedi like just stares at me and just doesn't answer for a few seconds. And I'm sitting there just kind of racking my brain. Like, okay, did I say something wrong here? Did I, you know, what, what, what was going on? Do you think it was go time? Do you think he was going to come at you? And he goes, he just kind of was looking at me and he just nodded. And he said, I think our defense is better than their offense. I feel like this team, it's a little personal this game. I feel like on defense we're gonna have to be locked in a little more on that aspect. But like you could tell, like I asked him about Arkansas's big men, and he took this thing personally. Now now here's the thing. Two years ago, when Auburn got court stormed at Arkansas, he wasn't a part of that team. Last year, Auburn beat Arkansas at home and then you know lost to him in the SEC tournament. But you could tell that this team had a real edge to them about this one. This one was personal for the guys who were there when they got stormed on two years ago. It meant a lot to them. But I, re- I really, I really, uh, I really think that you know he was on a mission there in the second half, and when he got off to a slow start in the first half, he. Wasn't making much of an impact statistically. Rebounded and defended pretty well. Then in the second half, I mean, he scores at will in that third quarter. um, They did a really good job of feeding him the ball. And whether it was kind of him posting up or beating dudes off the dribble, he owned that matchup there in the second half. And that really set the tone. Because that went from a game where Auburn was up by seven with little to nothing from their starters, to when the starters started rolling in the second half, they just blew them out. And Jani Broom really set the tone. And here's the thing. Jani Broome is playing some of the best basketball you're going to find at a major conference level. Zach Eadie's kind of just running away with everything right now, National Player of the Year kind of stuff, the metrics. Jani Broom is fourth on Ken Palm in National Player of the Year ratings. He's He leads the SEC in PER and win shares per 40 minutes. He is scoring efficiently, rebounding efficiently, defending at a a high level. And that's the thing. There are some games, like I I think of the Indiana game, where you may keep him quiet for a little bit, but it's nearly impossible to keep Jedi Broom down for an entire game. And in that second half, it was a real tone setter where, you know, Instead of letting Arkansas kind of weasel their way back into the game, I mean he just he just absolutely dominated. There's a there's about a five or six minute stretch there in the, in the early in the second half where he was the best dude on the floor by a long shot on offense and on defense. And I mean that that is such a weapon to have um, because there are very few big men in, in in major college basketball right now that are playing like Genai Brum is the skill. And the and the tenacity are, are both there and yeah I mean he obviously took this game very personally you know and I'm glad he didn't punch me or whatever after you know after I asked asked him that question the other day he took he took that frustration out there in the second half for sure
1: I believe Janai and Allen Flanagan are the only two guys in the top ten in scoring and rebounding in the SEC right now there might be someone that that I'm forgetting from that list but it's a short list of uh, of, of guys who are. Uh, putting together and, and there's there's other factors to consider, too. And
0: he's also he's also like second in blocks as well. Yeah, he's
1: he's been a, he's having an outstanding season. Auburn was still able to. I think if anything, the fact that Auburn was able to go on that run without Jani Broom to close out the first half without mm-hmm. Jani Broom scoring. He still contributed, as Bruce talked about. But but the uh, the scoring wasn't there and you're not going to keep, you know, there's there's uh, uh, you know, if, eventually the averages went out. Uh, more often than uh, th- than not, and a guy like that's going to get closer to his average. Although Arkansas was pretty far from their averages by the end of that game, uh, we were, we were saying before the show, right? Like it, a game like that. I, I don't know. Like I, I, I will, I will acknowledge. I told this story before the the show started. I watched this game on delay because I had a Troy game uh, yesterday, but I was able to I was able to watch it without spoilers. And eventually the lead got to a point in the second half where I was just like, I I should probably go ahead and check the final score here and see see where this goes. Just like when Auburn went to Arkansas in football mm-hmm. and did something remarkably similar to this, Justin, you were at that game too. Uh so or no, you you mm-hmm. wait, you, you were at that game. Okay. This is your first time at Bud Walton. Was that your yes. that was your first time in Fayetteville? No, no, no. I've been to Fayetteville several okay, times. Cool. This is my I... first basketball trip. Oh, cool. Okay. So the no, but but to see the game play out that way and uh, for, for Auburn to pull away, I, I don't know, at some point in the first 10 minutes of the second half, weren't you kind of expecting an Arkansas flurry or a rally or, or something? And they it, hit three threes in a row, uh,
0: and, and Auburn answered one of them. There was a Cheney Johnson step back in in there, but so like I think the qu- I, I think the only time they had really any run was a 6 0 run there, and even still, it didn't matter, you know. Auburn kept piling on right after that. The other thing that was crazy, that's a loud venue, nearly 20,000 fans in there, Um, really great atmosphere. And things started clearing out there in the final 10 minutes of the game to the point where really all you could hear was Auburn's bench and the crowd, the fans that they had behind the bench kind of celebrating it, you know, everything. They scored 11 of the final 14 points of this game to get it to 32. Like, not only did they, not only did they play well in the second half, they kept their foot on the gas the whole way. And like, yeah, I mean, it's easier to, you know, put the throttle down on on a team like that when you're playing an SEC game and you know what the metrics are and you really want to lean on it. But, instead of letting Arkansas kind of get a little bit of momentum back there late in the game or get some shots up I mean they they took them down one thing I, one other thing I want to mention about this game early stuck out to me and I mentioned it just a second ago Auburn Auburn's guards their're point guards in this game Aiden Holloway and Trey Donaldson Aiden had five rebounds in this game Trey had seven defensive rebounds he also went you know four or five from the field and or sorry five or six from the field for 11 points really good game for Trey it was a great Trey Trey Donaldson game Aiden Holloway is in a shooting slump right now you know I think that's pretty obvious to see he he's not his jumper isn't hitting as well as it was earlier in the season and that's okay I think the good sign for a guy like Aiden Holloway, though, is to find ways to provide value for your team when your shot's not falling. Because it could be so easy, especially for a true freshman who is so jump shot reliant, like Aiden is, to when he's not hitting, he's just not going to give you that much. He did his work on re- uh, on on the boards in this game, didn't have a turnover, and played really good defense. You know, Coming in this game, there's a lot of talk about could Aiden Holloway and Trey Donaldson take on that Arkansas offense? Because Arkansas's defense has struggled this season. It is it, it lags behind their offense. And obviously Auburn showed that in the second half. But they only gave up 51 in this game. And it's one of the lowest scoring games Arkansas's ever had at home, on top of the fact it was the it was the biggest margin of defeat for them at home. And again, I mean, Trey Donaldson played a great game on offense. Great game on defense. Fantastic, fantastic uh, game for them, for him. But the fact that Aiden Holloway, Dan, can can give you something without his jumper falling on a consistent basis says a lot. Now, he hit a couple of them there in the second half, but I've been really impressed with the maturity and just kind of the the mental toughness of a dude that, you know, probably thought he'd be hitting more shots right now, and and he's just not, and that's okay because he's still doing all the other stuff really, really well, and he's got a guy in Trey Donaldson who can pick him up uh, a ton on top of that.
1: that. That's such an important part of it, too, is that you don't have to overexpose or overextend Aiden Holloway because you're worried about the production you're going to get from his backup. Instead, you feel like you have two guys who could play high-level point guard, uh, the, the point guard position at a high level uh, around the conference, and so I think that's such a luxury. I I should probably do more homework on this, I wonder how many teams in major conference basketball feel like they've got two 30 plus minute a game point guards on their roster right now, because that's a position like quarterback where often a point guard is gonna leave if he if he's not the guy. And so I think it's it's uh and it's something that as we've said before, that's a trademark of Bruce Pearl's best teams at Auburn, right? Is that they have a guy coming off the bench at point guard who can still give them, whether it was Davion, whether it was uh, Javon McCormick, right? Like they, they've had situations in the past where they felt really good about the next man up at point guard, and it's helped the team win a lot of games. So in this game
0: for Auburn, only two guys played 25 minutes, Jalen Williams and Janai Broom. Only one more played more than 20, Chad Baker-Mazar at 21. Chad led the team in scoring at 16, but you also had 14 from Janai, 11 from Jalen, 11 from Trey Donaldson. Pretty much everybody else who played scored and contributed. Chris Moore didn't score, but everybody else got at least five points in that in that main rotation. It's just team basketball, and it's got to feel like vindication for Bruce Pearl because there's been talk especially I've seen it among Auburn fans and you, you kind of just see it in general in college basketball this time of year. Hey, you're starting to play sec games, Start these games are starting to get serious. Time to tighten up that rotation. And Auburn doesn't do that in this game. They stick to their guns. They play 11 deep. And it's a huge reason why they were able to blow out Arkansas. And again, like this team is, is unique. Um, they lead major co- college basketball uh, power power conference opponents or power conference teams in bench minutes this year they play this the this style that leans on other dudes you know guys lean on each other instead of having to kind of take it over themselves like even even a guy like Jani Broom who's statistically having a fantastic season he comes off the floor And you've got Dylan Carwell playing the best ball of his career in that role. We just talked about this with Aiden and Trey. But pretty much up and down the lineup, you see this style just really start to shine because every one of these guys knows if they can contribute some, Auburn can win. And yes, you're probably going to need your best players to stand out a little bit more frequently against some of the best teams you play on your schedule this year. But they're going to be able to really stack some wins up here in conference play by just sticking to their guns. And when you don't have a Jabari Smith or a Walker Kessler, you can just play kind of ultimate the the ultimate Bruce ball, ultimate team basketball, and it's hard to beat. Because when you play offense and defense like this with little drop off at all from your starters and your bench, I mean, it's hard to come up with a team that is just built to handle that. And here's the other thing Arkansas is one of the deeper teams in the SEC, and Auburn wore them down physically, mentally, emotionally, all that stuff in this game. I think that in their own building, and I think that says a lot.
1: And Bruce has talked about, and we've, we've been able to talk with Dylan uh, Cardwell about this on the drive. Cause he appears weekly uh, this season and uh, it, it does take a certain kind of player to want to be in a system where you're not going to play 27 minutes on a regular basis. Like you're, you know, e- even when things are going well, the plan is to keep 10, even 11 guys uh, involved depending on the situation and uh, the, the way the game is playing out. So I think it's uh yeah, this is a team that has a lot of the characteristics that really successful Bruce Pearl teams have had both at Auburn and Tennessee. Like you know, it tends to be at some point it becomes a trend. And you know, some of the stuff that this team is doing well on top of the things, I guess defensive rebounding being the one uh, the, the most obvious one as far as a jump from last year to this year, but to to continue to do some of these things well especially in a in a climate of college athletics where it's tough to maintain things year to year. look at my poor UCLA Bruins uh you know with with Mick Cronin, who is a good basketball coach, uh, but just missed on the the guys he wanted in the portal and had to sort of scramble to assemble a roster after losing guys last year. and they are decidedly worse than they've been the last couple of seasons, and that can happen quickly, but but Bruce Pearl's been able to build something that feels remarkably sustainable in a world where, you know, things are less sustainable than ever in college basketball.
0: The culture of this team really sticks out, and the uh, painters said it earlier, but the camaraderie, the chemistry really sticks out. But yeah, you're right. Like, it takes a special player, a special group of players to say, you know what? We know we're not going to be playing heavy minutes, and that's fine, and we're not going to get crazy amounts of production every single night, and that's fine, and it's put them in a great position, because this team heading into the season, there were a lot of question marks. There are a lot of things like, okay, what, what could this end up looking like? And yeah, they've lost a couple of games, and they're going to lose more this season, but they're in a spot right now where I mean, the numbers say this is one of the best teams in the country, and the eye test really works there too because they're doing something that very few teams in college basketball have. I mean, they, they, they've, they've got experience. They've got you know plug really well plugged in newcomers. They have depth. They have balance. That's going to take them a long way. I thought it was very telling after the game Look, I think I think Arkansas is going to be fine. I expect talent to win out this year for them. They've got problems that they've got to fix. I thought it was telling, though, after the game, there was a lot of questions from the Arkansas media that were around to Bruce Pearl about the value of having experienced guys coming back. And, you know, the elephant in the room being Arkansas builds through the portal a heavy portal class every single year and they get run out of the gym by a team that is, you know, kind of half guys who've been around and then half, you know, newcomers that aren't That's the other thing. It's like, you know, Chad Baker-Mazzara played Juco ball last year. Different Jones was at FIU. JD Johnson was playing D2, right? Aiden Holloway's a big-name guy. There's no doubt about that, but I think that's the thing is, is that on paper, you may look at this team and say, "Okay, what what really sticks out about them? You know, what where's the star power and all that?" The thing about the thing about them this season, the star, is just, the
1: star power, the recruiting star power, right? Exactly, exactly. because I'm, yeah. I'm looking at Jani and Jalen. And, and Holloway and saying, there's there's star power on this Auburn team and what they do well, you know, and, and there's you know it's, and it's something something that worried me going into this season was I had heard, uh, you know, last season there had been a rash of injuries in college basketball. Some people pointed it to the pointed to the COVID year, thinking that players were it was more taxing on players than ever before, these long careers. That college basketball players were having, I was interested to see what kind of season Jalen Williams was going to have because of the amount of, uh, you know the, the the miles on on those tires. Uh, but he's, you know, as as we said, he's played his best basketball over the last month or so in this stretch for Auburn. And then what what you've been getting out of out of Janai and at the point guard position, I I don't know. It's it's a, it's a it's a a brutal matchup. For anyone in this league, uh, you know, to suddenly see as long as Auburn stays healthy and you know and, and keeps, you know, keeps things harmonious, like the thought of like look at AM. AM got beat by 16, 15 or 16 at home by LSU. LSU. Yeah. And they've got to turn around on Tuesday night and and come to come to Auburn Arena with the students back in town because uh, classes start on Wednesday morning. Like I, I just think that is uh, I mean that that is a, a really tough draw for a team that suddenly finds themselves uh, needing to win a game to avoid an zero two start in the league.
0: Yeah, I mean that's that's a that's a great point. And I was going to mention that before we move on to football, but Auburn plays Texas A and M on 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 Tuesday night. So before our next podcast, that game will uh, have already taken place. A and M team, kind of an interesting spot. Um, they got off to a good start this year. They beat Ohio State and SMU, Penn State. But they have now lost five of their last nine. They did beat a good Iowa State team in there. Lost to FAU, lost to Virginia, lost to Houston, lost to Memphis, and now lost to LSU. And those aren't bad games to lose by any means. Like Those are quality teams. And I think LSU, especially with Jalen Cook in the mix now, is a lot better than, than you know, people are going to give them credit for. It. But the really interesting thing about this, this AM team is this is a team of extremes, especially on offense. This season, nobody is better at offensive rebounding in college basketball than Texas AM. So we talk about the defensive rebounding of Auburn. It's going to be put to the test against an AM team that crashes the offensive glass really, really well. And that's helpful for them because a is 351st in the country in three-point field goal percentage. They're also 341st in getting their own shots blocked this year. They're not overly tall. They're not super deep. But this is a team that with Wade Taylor, Tyrese Radford, Henry Coleman, guys that you know from last year's team, they've been able to at times play really, really well. But they're struggling here recently, and um, it really showed up on Saturday when LSU held them to 53 points, and a went 5-28 of from deep in that game. And so for Auburn, if you have more of a one-dimensional offense, especially on the interior, or you have to lean towards the interior, I should say, seems to be a decent matchup for the Tigers because we are seeing this Auburn team really start to come in to their own as hey, we can dominate in the paint in the game. We can make things really hard on our opponents with what we do um inside the arc. And so like you said, Dan, like it's a it's a tough draw. Mm-hmm. You know, you lose to LSU by fifteen at home and then you have to turn around and play at one of the toughest spots in, in, in the country. And an Auburn team that has to have all the confidence in the world right now with the way they've been playing.
1: It's it's not a not a great situation for AM. They lose at home as a twelve point favorite. and it's not just a loss. They're they're beaten soundly by LSU. It's probably the second most surprising result from Saturday's SEC slate, other than Auburn mm-hmm. running running away from Arkansas in Bud Walton arena. Uh AM only shoots what was it twenty, twenty six, twenty seven percent uh in, in that game. Uh no, as I no, it was down to twenty five by by the and AM shoots 25% from the field, uh, 18% from 3 against an LSU defense that the metrics would tell you isn't as good as Auburn's defense. And the game was in College Station, Tuesday night's game is going to be in Auburn. It's I mean there's I think there's the chance if you're AM, you, you got to be thinking if you're not on your game early, um I mean you you could be you, you could get snuffed out on on, on Tuesday night
0: and we'll have coverage of that obviously on the observer with observations and we'll talk about it on our next podcast and then Auburn plays that same LSU team on Saturday at home so it's a good opportunity for Auburn with back-to-back home games after again a historic win against LSU or I'm sorry against Arkansas away from home 32 point win a really good opportunity to go 2 and 0 this week and start start off with a 3 and 0 mark in the SEC And really cement yourself as a serious contender for a title this season in the SEC. It's going to be a knife fight. It's going to be a real grind. There's no break this year where you get to play a Big 12 team in the mix of it. Nope, that doesn't happen anymore. It's 18 straight. And that's going to be, you know, I think that's going to be a really good test to see where this team is. But, I mean, the way they're playing right now, they look built for the task, I think. When you look at Ken Palm and other places, it's Tennessee, it's Auburn, then it's maybe Kentucky or Alabama. Kentucky did have a really good win away from home at Florida on Saturday, where they struggled at times during that game. Came out with a high scoring win. Um, you know you can get in the mix really and and submit yourself uh, early on. And we thought, ooh, oh boy, starting your SEC play with. Arkansas on the road, and A&M at home. Well, uh, at least you get them, get them out of the way early. But when you beat Arkansas by 32 on, away from home and you're playing an A&M team that is that is sliding right now compared to where we thought they would be at this point in the year, it's a really good opportunity for Auburn, like I said, to cement themselves as a real contender here early in SEC play. And
1: right. the the upside, the upside of of turning over a roster as much as teams do these days in college basketball is you could say yes in the past Bruce Pearl teams even really good ones have struggled against AM. right there, there's been you know it, it's been a team that's been a thorn in his side in league play Aiden Holloway doesn't care about that right uh, Denver, uh, Denver and, and Chad Baker Mazzara and guys that weren't on last year's team I think they're looking at this AM team as you know, it, you know they're they're looking in the moment as as what they're going to face, and I'd be surprised if you know there was carryover from previous Auburn AM and M matchups uh, going into I, going into Tuesday. I think whatever happens Tuesday is going to be because of, of of these these two rosters.
0: All right, let's move on to some football. Before we do that, let's take care of take care of some business first. Hi, if you like this show and would like more of it, subscribe to the Auburn Observer. For six dollars a month or sixty dollars a year, you get all of our podcasts, including Friends of the Program, which made its grand return on Saturday, uh, and you get the midweek, later in the week podcast as well, only for subscribers. Um, and you get all of the newsletters, all of the writing that we do at the Observer, whether it is a mailbag or you know the post game observations, uh, analysis, exit, exit to the nose, stat breakdowns, all that good stuff. For Auburn football, men's basketball, auburnobserver.com, check it out. You've got links in the description, buttons to click, all that good stuff. It's a great time to sign up because there's a whole lot of stuff going on for sure. Painter, how else can the folks at home help us out?
2: Please rate, review, and follow the show wherever you get your podcast.
0: Helps us out a ton and uh, gets more people's eyeballs onto the product. So thank you very, very much for doing that. And also... Another thing that helps us out a lot is if you go to homefieldapparel.com, buy the official Auburn Observer t shirt or whatever comes to mind for you, whether it's Auburn gear, we're talking t shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, joggers, quarter zips. Um, you know, they've got they've got a billion things on the site. A lot of really good Auburn designs and other schools that you may love. Like I said, also the official Auburn Observer t shirt. But if it's your first time ever ordering from Homefield, Use the promo code Observer23 at checking out and you get fifteen percent off. That helps us out a ton as well.
1: Justin, what about a wool cap with Auburn Observer and script? What about the what about the official Auburn Observer wool cap? What are you thinking? Yeah, I think the wool cap
0: has a very limited time use in the South. Um, but you know, it might not be the worst idea in the world. Some of y'all have been asking about if uh, if koozies could make a comeback. Sure. Um stay tuned on that front stay tuned we've got uh we, we've got got a little something in the works there that uh, i think you'll be excited about if you're a uh, an observer fan all right
1: a beanie maybe observer beanie we could be uh in the in the mix oh by the way with with friends of the Pro- program coming back everybody's wondering you know what wins uh when's the wins the premiere episode of Enemies. Uh, dropping and and you know there's there's big things in the works in in 2024 with uh with 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 enemies of the program so uh the show by haters for haters so you know keep uh uh, stay tuned and and you might uh you you might find out more about that
0: yeah he's just talking Um, uh tape dropping soon so let's talk some football here gentlemen because it's been a newsy weekend for auburn football we're recording this on sunday morning there could be news breaking by the time this comes out or by the time you're listening to this. Who knows? But when it comes to the staff for Auburn football, there's already some changes afoot. The big coaches convention in football is happening this week in Nashville. It's kind of a job fair uh, for a for a certain amount of folks there. Um, and you feel like a lot of teams, especially at this point, in the offseason, are going to want to get their staffs finalized um, next weekend. It's supposed to be a big junior day type of recruiting weekend for Auburn. Big for the 2025 class, which they're already off to a great start with. So to be able to kind of point to, hey, this is who we've got, You know, this is our staff, that would be very big. So in the next few days, I think you could see some movement here with this staff. Now there have been a lot of rumors and there have been a lot of speculation, of who's coming and who's going. I'll tell you, and we try to be very honest with you here on this on this program. Uh, I'm not a newsbreaker, I'm not a reporter. There are a lot of people who do a really good job uh, with that on uh, on the Auburn beat. That's not my bag. It never has been my bag. Um, I am more of hey, you know, when stuff happens, it's about analyzing it and, re- and reacting to it. So. There could be more staff changes on the horizon. Auburn has not finalized or announced the move for Charles Kelly. Uh, We'll see if there's any defensive changes afoot as well. But one move we do know that is official is that Philip Montgomery will not be back for a second year as Auburn's offensive coordinator. Fellas, not really a surprising move. Um, I felt like a lot of us kind of thought this was coming at some point, but it is official. And Reportedly, uh, from, I believe, Matt Zenitz at 247, and then the the good folks over at Auburn Undercover have reported this as well. Others have um, across the beaten nationally. It does seem like we are heading into a scenario in 2024 where Hugh Freeze is much more involved with the offense, if not being the full-time play caller, which I think is a, is a really good possibility for this upcoming season. And Dan... We talked about it a little bit earlier in the show. This seems to be like the best-case scenario for Auburn. If you have Hugh Freeze as your head coach, he took a step back from doing the play calling and all that in order to emphasize recruiting in 2023. It worked out on the recruiting trail. It did not work out on the field. And so it's not surprising to me to hear and have it reported that Hugh Freeze could be going back to his roots in 2024 because it's like one of those things where I just kind of look at it and say, it's a big reason why he was hired. It's for his offensive, his his offensive skill, and Auburn did not get to lean on that very much in in twenty twenty four. It still sounds.
1: It still sounds like when when you hear from people who have tried to be the offensive play caller as the head coach of a football superpower, it's a lot of responsibility because the recruiting. The, the the recruiting stuff isn't going to go away. Hugh Freeze still has to be incredibly hands on in his approach to assembling this roster year in and year out. I'm I'm curious to see where this goes as far as does Hugh Freeze. I'd be stunned if he brought in a total outsider, you know, someone he'd never worked with before who had never coached with him. I mean, could he could he promote from within and be you know v- very hands on with? I, mean, I guess I guess Kent Austin right would be. Would, would would be somebody if they if they explored that, or are they going to go outside and find? When I say an outsider, I mean somebody who like was foreign to Hugh Freeze. Like I'm thinking, maybe he he reaches you know into the past. I, I don't know well, what direction uh, he's he's going to go with this, but um, it does it it shows you know the urgency uh, that that this offense needs to improve. That Philip Montgomery has gone after one season.
0: Yeah, we've seen Ken Austin's name mentioned a ton. Um, he is. Already a special assistant to uh, Auburn and has been working with quarterbacks already. So he's got to be, even if Freeze takes over as the offensive play caller, somebody's got to coach the quarterbacks. It's going to be a big uh, responsibility for whoever gets get this, gets that job. Austin awesome. makes a ton of sense there. Um, other coordinator possibilities, we've seen Derek Nix's name a lot. Um, this is a guy that has coached running backs and wide receivers in his past at Ole Miss. Auburn uh, reportedly had interest in him last year. He decided to stay at Ole Miss. That's another one to keep in mind. Like I said, there could be some more shakeups on this roster uh, or on this coaching staff. I I, be- I,
1: I believe I, I believe Damien Craig is out mm-hmm. of a job at uh, at Texas A and M. Uh, people have people have mentioned uh, that, and I th- I don't know if I don't know if Damien Craig has any link to Hugh Freeze. Uh, so I, so I guess I mean I guess that that would be so. more more of an Auburn connection than a uh, than a Hugh Freeze connection. But there's I guess there's that uh, you know that, that that's a name that's come up as well. Uh, in you know since the since the I guess I guess since Damien uh was uh you know was was not retained at Texas a m uh he he's been someone that people have talked about as a as a contender to join Auburn staff in some capacity
0: Peter, what are what are your thoughts on kind of the direction of this offense moving forward we know that Auburn's got to get better on that side of the ball in 2024 and the news that Hugh freeze might be taking play on over again you know Moving in into that direction, there could be some quarterback changes. They went after guys in the portal. Uh The Liberty quarterback decided to stay at Liberty after entertaining the transfer portal. So that's probably not a direction Auburn's going to go in, at least with the outside transfer, unless something crazy comes up in the next couple of weeks, I guess, or they try to do something later on in the offseason. season. But do you really think wouldn't.
1: Auburn could Auburn kick the tires on Talia? You, you think Justin? Amazing. Maybe I sud- sud- suddenly in the portal.
0: Maybe, um, and there's some legal stuff that has to be settled before he can get another year. I think is the case with with him. But um, yeah, but Perry, I just like I want to kind of get your t- thoughts on how it looks like Auburn is, you know, as as we expected, looking at what they did in the passing game and in offense in general in 2023, and said, okay, we can't do that again. Uh, you know, for another year, and you know, Freeze taking a lot of that responsibility
2: on his shoulders it does put more of the onus on him, right? I mean, this year we heard from him at different points in the season, talk about how he was involved, how he'd taken a step back. And so at least as of now, it sort of seems like we're trending in a direction where when things go well, we'll be reminded of why, you know, in part this hire was made. And if things go poorly, he'll have more questions to answer.
1: Do you remember, uh, was it after the Cal game when Hugh Freeze mentioned that he'd only called two plays in the second half, but were, were they were they the two touchdowns or one of them was the was the the two touchdowns? So there's there's a little bit of that there, but but I think you know it's also like Hugh Freeze is also somebody who will accept responsibility. To, to this point, I felt like he's also accepted responsibility when things haven't gone well in in big moments. He hasn't been someone who passes the buck uh, to uh, you know he, uh, to 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 underlings and and scapegoats and things like that. But yeah, I'm I mean we've we've heard from guys like Malzahn and Jimbo Fisher uh you know how how hard it is to steer the ship for a recruiting uh for, for a head coach really involved in recruiting while also trying to be uh the 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 lead play caller on offense so i'm uh yeah i'm interested to see what Hugh Freeze decides to do it's a big decision
0: yeah and I, and i think when you look at this season for auburn you know the 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 thing that the thing that sticks out, you know, to me about the offense is that, you know, the Philip Montgomery hire on paper made sense, right? Philip Montgomery, when he the last time he was an offensive coordinator, he had had a lot of success and he had a offensive identity that was very similar to freezes. And it's like, okay, can they mesh together? What could it look like? Didn't really work out. and And Auburn... You know, struggled to do much of anything through the air against quality competition and got worse in a number of areas throwing the ball. And it's not all on play calling, much like it is not all on Peyton Thorne, not all on the receivers, not all on the protection. It's an everything kind of thing, right? But the experiment of saying, hey, let's bring in this guy who is a really well-known name as an offensive spread play caller and all that and let him handle it, it just didn't work out. And so, instead of keeping it going, they're going to go ahead and move on. And the thing there is that Montgomery had a fully guaranteed contract for three years, so Auburn's eating the money to make this move. Now, again, it's you know these these schools aren't hurting for money. Like you know, it's not it's not that big of a sacrifice when a an assistant coach hire is not working out to go ahead and pull the plug on it, but. I think it does show you that like it wasn't you know wasn't one of those things that it was 100 percent super easy um and you know if freeze takes more offensive play call and responsibility um that's going to be a challenge that he's gonna have to navigate
1: and I re- I would wonder the last time an SEC program went through seven offensive coordinators in seven years what is it yeah. chip Lin- Chip Lindsay was the last guy to get his full second season. As an offensive coordinator at Auburn, as I said on Twitter, Auburn goes through offensive coordinators the way Spinal Tap went through drummers, right? Like it's it's just, I mean, they 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 blow through these guys, and you'd you'd love to see some stability uh, somewhere on uh, on on the, you know, and and that's you know, we'll see if you freeze can find that.
0: And the last time Auburn had stability on offense and just kind of in general was when Gus Malzahn was the play caller, and he had Rhett Lashley as his right hand man, and Obviously, that wasn't going to work forever. But I do think it's telling that, like you just said, Painter, when you made your bones as an offensive play caller, going back to it makes a lot of sense if you're a guy like Hugh Freeze. Um, so, again, that brings its whole you know, area of, of of challenges that come with that. But I think for Auburn, it's a step in the right direction. There's going to have to be more changes on this offense. And whether that is you know, bringing in more talent, you know, from high school and and and, and the portal and seeing how they mesh together this year. More personnel changes, maybe more staff changes. We'll see. But the biggest thing that has held Auburn back really for the last a little over a decade outside of a couple seasons from being a true contender in the SEC year in and year out has been the fact that they have not had a consistent offense. It's hard to have a consistent offense where you are constantly changing your coordinator. Maybe going back to kind of his roots with for Hugh Freeze could end up being a key to doing that. Uh, The other big news, and this was a surprising one, I don't think the Philip Montgomery news was surprising at all, but the surprising news was that Keontae Scott, after deciding to come back to Auburn for another year, not going to the NFL draft, had entered the transfer portal. This is news that broke on Friday night. Uh, It Really took a lot of people by surprise. There were several Auburn players on social media posting shock, stun, sadness that, that that this happened. I don't think anybody saw this coming. Um, it's not a done deal that he's out the door either uh, for Keontae Scott. We have seen a number of guys that Auburn's gone after, and just in general in college football this year, entertain the transfer portal and then decide to come back to their to their school, test the waters, and then end up staying. I think there is a belief that that could happen for Auburn with Keontae Scott. Um, you would love to bring him back if you're Auburn. I will say the thing that's really interesting is that Keontae Scott started at corner and was going to be an outside corner in 2024 for Auburn. Didn't have the best of games. Um, struggled at times, you know, with the with the the passing game for Maryland, especially in the first quarter. But I think things got better as the game went on. If Keontae Scott's not back at Auburn next season, Auburn's got a number of guys that they can turn to in the secondary. It's not like that's a thin group at all. But Dan, like if Keontae Scott's gone, you know he doesn't come back to Auburn. That's you're you're starting not completely from scratch in the secondary, but pretty close to it with the with the the amount of experience.
1: Yeah. The Keontae thing came out of nowhere. You know, I, I thought he would, if if he wasn't back at Auburn next year, I would have assumed it was the NFL draft, but uh, to, to be out there, uh, you know, his, his, every player has that opportunity. Every player has that option to, uh, to, to explore the transfer portal. Now, my understanding is that if you're in the portal, schools don't necessarily have to honor your scholarship. So it's interesting to wonder what Keontae is going to do academically this semester, um, you know that's that's a, a small wrinkle in in the, in the timing of this, and, but that... and
0: I think and I think whatever decision is going to be made for Keontae, it's much like the stat. Like you're going to want to get it done here pretty quickly because classes are about to start, Off-season workouts are about to get going. Like teams are want to kind of lock some stuff in here in the next you know week or so.
1: You want to be enrolled somewhere uh, ideally, and if you're going to play college football, and and uh, if if you're yeah if you're in the portal uh, when when the spring semester starts, yeah you might you might not. That uh, there might not be a scholarship for you, so I I would think, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see what happens with Keontae. I I think there would be if if he's truly, uh, you know, exploring, uh, playing somewhere else in college football. There there would be, I would imagine, a very healthy market for the services of Keontae Scott from just about any team that wants to win football games. Uh, but he also would would have the opportunity to be, you know, maybe the uh, you know, maybe maybe the most high profile player on the Auburn defense uh, should he come back uh, this year, but probably probably an early contender for the most valuable piece on the Auburn defense if if he decides to return.
0: Yeah, it's either it's either him or Eugene Asante, I think would would be the ones you would kind of see on on that defense. So we'll keep an eye on that. Um, it's you know Auburn had guys visit this week, uh, for transfers. Like those things are going to start wrapping up here pretty quick. Keep an eye on it. It's going to be you – know, we'll keep track of it with a roster tracker and, and whatnot, but, uh, yeah, between the staff and the roster, things are going to continue to start churning for uh, – continue to churn, I should say, for Auburn football.
1: Here we go, a portaling.
0: Now you thought about that one a while, didn't you?
1: Not really, no. <laughs> I would have given you more lyrics if I'd given it more thought, but uh, I got – well, here we go, a portaling to find a brand-new team. Yeah.
0: <laughs> That's the thing also. It's like Auburn doesn't have to completely reinvent itself through the portal this year like they did last season. That that, that top 10 recruiting class really helps out a ton, but there are a number of spots where things could look different and obviously staff changes could end up making this team look pretty different next season as well, but I think it is a sign ultimately that even though this year was a year one, even though this year was not going to be defined by just the win-loss record, I think Hugh Freeze and this and this team knows that like, hey, you've got to you got to show more next season.
1: What does a Keontae Scottless Auburn secondary look like in spring practice? Should Keontae Scott choose to play somewhere else?
0: I think you're looking at K and Lee still as a starter, and I think you're going to have that like one of the kids would have to be in the same. Whether that's a Tyler Scott or a um, Colton Hood, J.C. Hart. I mean, like you you would have. You would have to make Champ Anthony. Champ like, Anthony was good. Champ
1: yeah. Anthony would have been my guess. I would have thought mm-hmm. that if, if Auburn if Auburn doesn't go into spring practice with Keontae Scott, I'm thinking I'm thinking Lee and Anthony are your outside mm-hmm. corners, which is asking a lot of of those two guys to be the numbers, you know, the number one and number two corners on a on a team that needs to win football games in twenty twenty four. In I'm, I'm thinking Kaufman is your next is, is, is he your top guy in the, in the, in the nickel, right? Is
0: probably, and then you, you may, you may, if you want a true corner at that position, you look at a number of guys there. Um,
1: yeah. I just think Ter- Terrence love probably a trendy pick for like a breakout in the secondary somewhere. That's more mm-hmm. like safety, right? Yep. Than in a, and no, so but it's, it's... it's...
0: stuff. Caleb Wooden, still have, you know, Sylvester Smith guys like that. Yeah. They've got talent. It's just not a lot of experience. And, uh, I think in 2024 they were going to have to turn the kids loose. Anyway, losing Keontae Scott would like make that even a bigger priority. And, and I would uh, I, I be would a think big that challenge. If
1: they, I would think that if they sign a defensive back from the uh from the portal, like a veteran defensive back from the portal, that guy immediately would you would think, I mean it depends on who they sign obviously, but you would think they're looking for someone who projects as a as a day one starter at that position because they've you know they they've got depth they can develop right like if they're going to go into the portal and get a veteran in the secondary um you know i i would think the plan would be for someone like that to be uh to, to be contributing from the moment they sign
0: uh before we go before we wrap up fellas national ch- championship game monday night michigan washington the two teams we thought all year long were going to be in the national title game for sure um i'm really looking forward to this game uh because it's just it's different you know with no sec teams no like usual suspects in the in the title game which i think is going to be pretty fun um where you all where where if you know well i'll I'll ask you to make a pick uh, for for a game that doesn't involve Auburn, even though i don't like doing predictions i wrote about it in the mailbag on 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 friday i'm going washington and i'm i like calen DeBoer's record against ranked teams it's fantastic i think they have the better quarterback in michael penix um and I think there's this Team of Destiny thing going on right now with Washington because they just keep winning close games over and over and over again. No disrespect to Michigan. I think they're the more talented team and, and the more balanced team for sure. But There's just something about this, this UW team that stands, stands out to me. So I, I'm going to pick Washington in an upset uh, to take on the title. What, what are you guys thinking?
1: I... I think Michigan's going to win. I'll be rooting for Washington. I think the Washington story is a good one. Um, I think DeBoer's jumped into the, you know, he's in the, he's in the top tier now based on what he's done the last couple of years uh, as a, as a college football coach, the Michael Pennock story is sensational and it would be, it would be so cool to see it end with a national championship. I just, you know, I didn't. Now, to be clear, I was wrong about both semifinal games. So, you know, take my pick with with that in mind. Uh, but how about this for a prediction: Jim Harbaugh's last game at Michigan. That's yeah, that's I, my yeah, prediction.
0: I, I feel I feel like that's pretty like win or lose. I feel like we're we're heading in that direction. Especially yeah, we'll, when he comes yeah. out. Especially when he comes out this weekend is like, hey, we need to like. Everybody take pay cuts and give the money to the players. I'm like, yeah, you're probably not going to say that if, if if you're still in this job next year.
1: Yeah, I guess the rumor the rumor right now is that he's the top choice for three NFL teams: uh, uh, the Chargers, the Raiders, and maybe Washington. Although they might also be looking at Bill Belichick. But I'm thinking, depending on if Bill Belichick uh, hits the market, uh, but but I'm thinking I'm thinking this is Jim Harbaugh's uh, finale as the head coach at Michigan.
0: Apparently he's like obsessed with winning a, a a Super Bowl. Like he wants to. He wants his, to get, bro, his get brother it. has one, right? Yeah. So that'll 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 do it. Yeah, Painter, What are you thinking for the title game?
2: I can absolutely understand or see a game that unfolds with Michigan just leaning on Washington and wearing them down. However, I'm with you, Ferg. I I think that I would I'd imagine this game is close. Washington's been in a bunch of those, so I like them in that scenario. Yeah, this is. This seems like it has Washington and another upset for me. By the way, if Washington wins, they will
0: join Auburn for 2010 as the only team to win a national title without having a top 25 defense in SP+. Um, shows you just how good Penix has been this year, and they got Roma Dunze and those guys um, out wide. And also just shows you how crazy Cam Newton was as well. But that's a that's a fun little fact. Uh I'm picking Washington. I'll be rooting for Washington. It will be very it would be very interesting to see Michigan like finally if they broke through and finally got a title, you know, again after two years in a row of losing in the in the in the semifinals. That would be interesting in and of itself. But yeah, I just I don't know. There's just something about this UW team that I that I really, really like. All right, folks. That'll do it for this podcast. Appreciate everybody listening. Uh, we will be back later this week. We'll talk Auburn, Texas A&M basketball. We'll look ahead to Auburn LSU basketball. We'll talk the latest with football. All that good stuff. We are in the groove right now of football offseason, basketball in-season. going to be a whole lot of stuff going on at the Observer. Great time to sign up. Like I said, if you haven't already, you get all of our podcasts, all of our newsletters uh, directly in your inbox as soon as they drop. That'll do it for me. Painter, final thoughts.
2: What do y'all think is the funnier scenario? Harbaugh winning with all the controversy that surrounds them, and we could debate about how much you really care about sign stealing, but it will be brought up, or Ryan Day yelling at Lou Holtz?
0: Ryan Day yelling at Lou Holtz is still one of the funniest things that I've ever seen, because it's like, like, Lou Holtz, Lou Holtz stopped being relevant in college football like when I was in high school. Like when he was still on the with the the whole Dr. Lou say like when was the last time he was on TV regularly? Like it's been a it's been a long time. Like Lou Holtz is seven hundred years old.
2: Yeah, like I wondered when that game happened if Lou Holtz saw it the next morning because he had been in bed. The Michigan sign stealing thing
0: is still pretty funny just because of the amount of like Detail that the the Connor Stallions dude put into it, like you talk about somebody who was really
1: dedicated to the cause. Um, Anytime a person wears disguises, it's funny, yeah. right? Like any 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 sort of scheme that involves, like you think about Bobby Valentine putting on the the fake the glasses and the wig to go sit in the dugout after he'd been ejected or Connor Stallions, you know, as as the master of disguise in the central Michigan game, you know, as the anonymous, like, I don't know, like the, the thought that, the thought that he had to like go buy uniforms and things to pull off this scam. Oh, always really tickled me.
2: I want to know I, how much they had to pay him to, to and like, Wyatt. like you said, he's, he's down for the cause. Like there's a small part of me that goes, Maybe nothing.
0: He would not sing to the NCAA at all. Like, he was just like, nah. And like, smart for him. Cause like, anybody who, anybody who sits there and says, like, like, you know, don't cooperate, don't cooperate at all with the NCAA, like, that's smart. That's the way to go about it. But like, yeah, to your point, Painter, like, they might not have to pay him at all. It might just be love for, for Big Blue, where he's just like, hey, here's what I'm going to do. Not, not talk to you. And if I want to continue to do the Unabomber of football over here, um, you just got to come get me. Like it's it's
2: it, it's it's pretty it's pretty impressive. I'm still cracking up at like the length they said the paper, the manifesto he wrote was. Because it's like it's what? Insane. Dan, milkshakes talk to me about them.
1: Oh, oh no, so I, I was on the road with the Trojans. Uh we went to a place in Statesboro, uh called Rolling Monkey that does sort of the the cold surface. And uh it it's so it's it's just like they pour it's like milk, cream, and sugar mixture, and then the stuff they add flavors the ice cream. And it was out; it was outstanding. You ever in Statesboro? Check that out. I sent Justin a picture of a milkshake that a, a teammate or a, a someone on the on the staff had ordered in Myrtle Beach at a place it was, that does uh, the mason jars. Yeah, it was it was like
0: one of those things where it was like four different desserts on on
1: top of each other. I mean, yeah, it's a, a mason jar place, uh, crazy mason, I think, or so, something like that, in in Myrtle Beach that does, yeah, just uh, j- just astonishing uh, creations. And then a place I recommended to uh, to Ferg, one of my favorite little regional fast food chains, Brahms, has a location in uh, in, in Fayetteville, multiple
0: actually. And uh, yeah, went went over there and grabbed a, grabbed a milkshake because I remember Dan had said like, eh, the burgers are fine, like you know, just normal fast food, but the but the uh the the ice creams where, where it's at. Can't confirm. Really, really good. The other thing that's crazy, it's like a little like store in there. There's like a little grocery store aspect to it. Like you could buy like gallons of milk from like the from like the dairy that they that they use uh there. So shout out to Brahms, man. Like they 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 got me hooked up pretty well.
1: They don't uh they they I guess they won't open locations that are more than a certain distance from the farm in Oklahoma in order to keep keep everything fresh but it's a yeah you're ever you're ever in the uh texas oklahoma arkansas circle that has uh brahms locations uh check that out